Thank you, Myrna, for that lovely, lovely reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. My name is Nick, and I'm the associate minister here at Knox, and I'm so glad that you've joined us on this first Sunday after Easter to celebrate our risen Lord with us and to hear how God continues to speak into our world. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the teacher in Ecclesiastes, and we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts and our imaginations to hear what it is that you're saying to each of us, to hear what it is you're saying to our church, to the city, and to the world this day. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 1 Corinthians tells us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the power of God for salvation, which we have just celebrated together throughout Holy Week. And in the coming weeks, we will continue to linger in and to celebrate that very good, but sometimes strange and even foolish news that life can conquer death that the grave can be defeated from within, and that all weeping and sorrow will be overcome by joy and peace at the last. It is not only the cross, however, which we may find strange, even foolish, about the way that God works in our world. For instance, why do the wicked prosper? Right? Why do evil people seem to have such success in life? Or why is the race not to the swift? Why is the battle not to the strong? Why does food not go to the wise or wealth to the intelligent or favor to the skillful? Why is it that time and chance seem to be the only constants in any of our lives? This is surely folly. But 1 Corinthians continues to remind us, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Having just celebrated the strange and wonderful, foolish and wise work of God in the passion of our Lord, we will now linger in the curious workings of God in our world to this day. The things that make little sense to us, but that we trust and we hope by faith, are in fact the fruit of the counsel of the Most High God. To do this, we will journey with a teacher who asks these same questions that we do. This teacher is often called koelet, which is Hebrew for preacher. And the things this teacher writes, well, they're controversial. The book of koelet of Ecclesiastes was often left out of the canon of Hebrew scriptures. Whether it should be included or not was a matter of hot debate until eventually it was. Many believed this teacher to be Solomon, and if it was Solomon, they argued his writing must be included. But others were concerned about how contradictory this book was, contradictory to natural reason, contradictory to the witness of the covenants of Moses and David, contradictory even within itself. In short, they worried this book of supposed wisdom bordered on foolishness. And worse than this, they feared that many of its sayings may even cross into heresy. In the Mishnah, which is the first recorded written record of rabbinic law, Rabbi Tanhum of Nave says, O Solomon, where is your wisdom? 
Where is your intelligence? Not only do your words contradict the words of your father David, they even contradict themselves. Suffice it to say, people were concerned about this book. But nevertheless, the Jewish people, and in turn the church, came back to it again and again, finding within it a truth that stirred the heart, and trusting that by these often strange, sometimes contradictory teachings, they might better understand their lives, and by better understanding their lives, better understand the God who made them. The teacher begins at the climax. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This is the central thesis of this book in so many ways, and certainly a recurring refrain. And it's almost like this teacher is a teenager who's just discovered Nietzsche or Camus. In fact, this morning, Lorna, I'm sorry, I have to tell this story. Lorna said to me, it's such a beautiful day, perfect for discussing meaninglessness. And it's true, we feel like these verses belong in somebody's mother's basement rather than out in the light of day. But we've all had that moment when we wondered what the point of life was, when perhaps we even resolved to know that it is meaningless. And this is not just some freshman malaise from the teacher. This is from a son of David, from king in Jerusalem, who has applied his mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. This is a weighty and carefully considered discovery. And while its despair may be apparent to us, the depths of it should also be highlighted. He uses that superlative construction we've talked about before. He says, vanity of vanities, which is like song of songs is the best song. Well, vanity of vanities is the most meaningless thing, is the pointless thing among all the pointless things. It's just the worst. And that's the construction he uses. The word hevel in Hebrew is also the word for breath, for vapor. He's saying it's like breathing on a winter day. You see it and it's gone. Life is the most fleeting thing that there is, the teacher says, and more than life, all of our work also. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? The teacher asks this rhetorically. We're given no answer because we know the answer, don't we? This too is meaningless, a breath lost in the wind. The world continues in its endless cycle, Generations come and go, the sun rises and sets and races back to rise again. The wind blows around and around, streams flow into the sea, and the sea is never full and the streams never run dry. Things keep happening, but nothing happens. And isn't that so much of our lives? How many of us have discovered as we aged that we're only learning the same lessons that our parents learned and tried to share with us so we didn't have to learn the hard way? But we're still learning the same lessons over and over again. How many of us go to work, accomplish a good day's labor, and then return home in a cycle that never seems to end or change at all? And we together may not have yet tired of sunrises as the teacher has, but what about dishes? What about 
laundry? What about the emails that just keep coming in and the bills that pile up? Wash as many dishes as you'd like, and there are still more dishes. Do a load of laundry, and there's more laundry before that load is even finished. Reply to an email, and four more come in. Pay the bill, and pay the bill, and pay the bill. Meaningless. Vapor of vapors, says the teacher. And perhaps you're thinking to yourself, well, yes, of course, these things are meaningless. But what about real accomplishments? What about things that bring us joy and pleasure? What if we escaped the rat race? What if I had enough to never worry about another thing again? What if I achieved what I'm sure I could achieve? The teacher has beaten us there already. Testing himself with pleasure, he wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of our lives. So he undertook great projects. He built houses. He planted vineyards. He made gardens and parks and orchards. He cared for his orchards. He amassed wealth. He enjoyed the pleasures of wine and women, denying himself nothing he desired. He delighted in it even. I've accomplished none of this. But when he who has surveyed it all, all that he accomplished, he saw it was meaningless, vapor chasing after the wind. Nothing had been gained at all. And we know people like this. Maybe we've known this firsthand. People who have successful careers who've built businesses, who have lovely homes and families and are completely dissatisfied with their lives, who perhaps struggle to imagine why they've worked so hard at all. Or maybe we know people who've worked so hard toward a goal, toward their degree, their apprenticeship, their marriage, big, life-changing goals, and when it's accomplished, they don't feel fulfilled as they imagined they would. This too is meaningless, says the teacher. We've worked so hard, tried so hard, done so much for so long, and come up short, come up empty. We've been chasing after the wind. The interesting thing about that Hebrew word for meaningless, for vapor, is that it is so often used in the Old Testament in connection with idols. The idolatry of Israel produces meaningless hope, a vapid religion, fleeting promises. In idols, the people have nothing, and their devotion is meaningless. How much of the meaninglessness of our lives is because we've made idols of our work, idols of our accomplishments, idols of our capacity to influence and change the world or to at least control our own path. If these are the gods of our minds and our hearts, we will find their promises hopeless, that they truly offer nothing to us, that life lived on these terms is really meaningless. Ecclesiastes is never quoted in the New Testament. It's never quoted in the New Testament. But we get a little bit close in Romans 8, verses 20 and 21, which I think I have a slide for, but I didn't highlight, um, where a word that I've used a lot today, that the teacher uses a lot in this book, is used in its Greek equivalent. 
Writing to the Romans, Paul writes, For the creation was subjected to futility. The creation was subjected to meaninglessness. Not by its own will, but because of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Whoa. Okay, so why is life meaningless? Why is it a vapor and a chasing after the wind? Not because we wanted it that way, right? I didn't vote for that. I'm sure you didn't either. But because God made it that way. And that sounds unwise. That sounds foolish. Why would God make life this way? Why would God subject us to this? Well, the scripture says, so that we might be set free from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. This is good news. And I know God made life meaningless is not exactly a very exciting headline. It's an awful sort of headline. But hear it out. God made life meaningless so that you would be free. You see, if we were able to find true meaning, substantial and lasting meaning, complete and true satisfaction in our work, in our accomplishments, in our leading and guiding of our own lives, we would find ourselves in a gilded cage. We would be blissfully trapped by the idols of our hearts. But thanks be to God, he made the true human heart that it is restless until it finds its rest in him, as St. Augustine said. The fact that God made life meaningless, that God subjected us to futility, is good news because God also made life with meaning, but it cannot be found apart from God. In communion with God, we do not worry what we may gain from all our toils under the sun, because by the work of God in Jesus Christ, our gain is his reward. In communion with God, we are not troubled that future generations will not remember our names, because we know that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And in communion with God, we may build houses and know it is not in vain because the Lord builds the house with us. And we may stand watch and know it is not in vain because God stands watch with us. It is by the work of God and not by the work of our hands that life finds its substance and even the few days that we have can find their purpose and meaning. Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher and we may rightly say, even on a sunny day like this, yes and amen. Because we have known this truth. We have experienced it ourselves. But in God's wisdom and mercy to us and to all creation, we have found that meaningless life lacking in order that we may find life which is worth living. That life which is worth living is in Jesus Christ our Lord who setting aside his glory came to live among us, a new shoot in the wilderness, a new thing which has been here since the beginning, and to suffer for us and die for us and rise for us, that we might know there is a Father who loves us, 
that there is a kingdom that is worth dreaming of, that there is a treasure which rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot steal. It is in finding life in Christ that we find fulfillment, meaning, and purpose to all of our living. That even the most mundane and ordinary tasks might be rightly done to the glory of God. And even our greatest accomplishments might be rightly understood as being for the purposes of Christ and for his kingdom which will never fade away. Without these promises, we're investing time, energy, resources in vapor, in things that are passing away, futile work, futile and frustrated lives. Without Jesus, everything is meaningless. But with Jesus, even that which will surely be lost and forgotten, even the most futile task, may be a work of peace and a sign of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, until heaven and earth are reconciled at last. God desires that we should be free. Free from meaninglessness, free from futility, free to know life to the full in the one who is life itself. In moments where you're sure that all your work is vain, a fleeting vapor, a chasing after the wind, cling to Jesus and in him find that by his work, your life has purpose and by his spirit, your labor is never in vain. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope there's something for you to digest in this, even on a sunny day like this, and to help you begin that process of thinking about these things. A couple of questions. The first is, where are you looking for meaning and fulfillment apart from God? We've all got something, and that is producing a meaninglessness that we should give to God again. So where are you looking for meaning and fulfillment? And then secondly, pray asking Jesus, asking that Jesus would lead you into his good and fulfilling life. So we'll give you a couple of minutes to begin that work now, and I hope that you'll continue to meditate on this and pray about this throughout the week. Thank you.